Hey, Active Church, so glad that you're here with us today. My name is Mike, I serve on the team, and I hope that today has been so moving and so inspiring, and it's gonna get even better. Because today, our executive pastor, Joe Valenzuela, is gonna be leading us and teaching us about Moses in a series we call Timeless. We're looking at some of those past stories in the scriptures and how they can impact our present. So Active Church, would you welcome Pastor Joe to the stage? Morning, morning, active. I love it. I hope you guys came ready for church today. I'm glad you are here. Man, what a series we have been in. We've had some stellar speakers over the past couple weeks here, and I'm just so thankful for Jess and James and Casey, and and they really brought it. And so, man, it, it is an honor. It is an honor to be a part of this team. But what I'm really excited for, they talked about it in church news, is next week, Uh, We're going to be having first step. And if so, if you're new around here at Active or still trying to find your way, find out this can be your church community, I want to invite you personally. I I really want you there. Uh, Our lead pastor is back next week, and so he's going to bring a word, and we're going to have first step across the way. It's all right. You can clap for Pastor Mike. I'm not offended. He is back next week, right? Y'all saw his head on the screen. It looked great, right? He's going to be here next week. He has a great message for us. But today, we are going to be continuing in our series called Timeless. And today, I want to go to a place that many of us don't like going, and, and I hope that's okay. Uh, maybe you brought a friend today, and you're like, where, where, is he, where are we going, Pastor? Like, where are we going? Well, I, I want to go to a place um, that's a vulnerable place for myself, and, and I believe it's a vulnerable place for many people here because it's a place we don't like to talk about. Um, it's, it's the area of our fears. I want to talk about our fears, our vulnerability, how that... Uh, uh, impacts us and and moves us and changes us and and changes our day-to-day life and impacts the worlds around us and and I believe today that if we are honest we're vulnerable and we're aware of the things that frighten us we are actually going to find more of Jesus and so I want to pray for us And let's dive into the message. So, Father God, may you move in us today. God, you always move. You always do. May we have the courage, the faith, the tenacity, the boldness to see you move in our life. Be with anybody today who is wrestling with faith, doubt, circumstances, extended seasons of loss, grief, pain. May you just remind them that you are a God of every season including the ones that we don't like being in. God, thank you for your love, and may you be with us today. We all this up in your son's holy name, and all God's people said, amen. So what are you afraid of? Like, let's go there. What are you afraid of? Because I, I know what I'm afraid of, and, and I want to share that with you today. It's two things. Really, it's three, but I'm going to share two of them right now. Um, but before I share these two things, I, I need you to tell me I'm safe. No, I need you to mean it because I know some of y'all, when I share these things, you guys decide to post it on the internet or let me know about it later on. You send me pictures, all right? So there we go. We already got somebody pulling out the phone. All right, two things. I need you to say it with me. You're safe. One more time. Left side. Am I safe? All right, say you're safe. All right, good enough. All right, good. Works for me. Works for me. I don't know if I trust this side, but it's fine. I'll talk to you guys. Two things. Um, monkeys and roller coasters. Absolutely frightening. Monkeys 
and roller coasters. Let me share my monkeys really quick. I was 18 years old. I was in Thailand, um, and it was, it was a great experience. We decided to go to this incredible waterfall. It's beautiful. We love it. Um, with some of my Thai friends who I've made while I'm there, we are leaving uh, after seeing this gigantic waterfall. You need to check it out. It's called Erwan Waterfall. We're coming down the trail, and as we're coming down the trail, there are monkeys lining the trees of the trail. Amazing, right? I, first time I've ever seen a monkey in real life, right? Like, I've been to the zoo. You know, I see them from a distance. These are like actual real life monkeys. I'm like, whoa, this is so cool. There's like baby monkeys and there's like mom monkeys and then there's like dad monkeys and like they're just, they're, they're monkeying out, right? They're doing their thing. And then as I'm going down, I'm like, cool, they're all at a distance. They're swinging, they're having fun, they're staring. Um, and then I'm coming down the road and what I see in the distance, I see a monkey in the road and it's, and it's in the road that I'm walking on and I need to pass the monkey. And I ask myself a question because this monkey makes eye contact with me and begins to move towards me. And I ask myself a question that I hope you never have to ask yourself. Am I about to fight a monkey? <laughs> I, d I don't know if it's good behavior. I don't know if it's wrong. And I just met Jesus at the time. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm not too far saved to kick a monkey at this time. So what I decide to do is I see the monkey and I'm like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to walk past it as fast as possible, right? It's going to walk past it. So I get to the monkey and I do one of those little like little trots. You ever do one of those little trots? You know, you're like just trying to pass somebody, you know, maybe somebody's walking slow and you try to get around them and do a little trot. So the monkey right there, I decide to do a little trot by the monkey. The monkey grabs my leg, right? Grabs my leg. Full rips hair, right? Like otter even, rips hair, takes it. And I'm like, no. And so before I know it, I'm in a full blown sprint and I'm running from this monkey. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Heart's terrifying. I'm like, okay, is there a thing called like, I heard about monkey pox once upon a time. I don't know if that's a thing. Our monkey bites in season right now. I don't know what's going on. And then I kid you not, I, there's this little kid, all, little kid comes out of nowhere, comes like around a tree and he just goes, and the monkey runs away. And I'm like, that's all it took is, like, bye, monkey. That, that's it. So since then, I see monkeys, zoo, TV, other places. I don't know where else you see monkeys. But you see monkeys, and I'm like, I'm not going there. Second thing, roller coasters. Man, roller coasters. Anybody a roller coaster fan in here? Love roller Y'all? Y'all got problems. You see, I didn't, I didn't grow up going to amusement parks. Uh, I like my feet on the ground, planted. And I remember I was about 23. I was a youth pastor. And we brought a bunch of high schoolers to Knott's Berry Farm because we were at camp for a couple days. That doesn't matter. But anyways, we were, so we took a bunch of high schoolers. And um, let me tell you, when you share your fears with high schoolers, they're going to remind you of those fears, right? Some high schoolers are great. Some, uh... Not so much. And so these ones were uh, in the not so much category, right? And so they knew I was kind of nervous. I, I had the scaries when it came to roller coasters. And so at Knott's Berry Farm, if you've never been to Knott's Berry Farm before, um, it kind of looks like Mentone. Uh, and so, <laughs> no, I just, I just play it. I just play it. I just play it. Hey, somebody who lives in Mentone designed Knott's Berry Farm for sure, right? No, if you're from Mentone, I love Mentone. It's great. Where's Mentone Beach? I don't know. I haven't found it yet. Um, so <laughs> we're at Knott's Berry Farm, uh, and, and they, where they decide they, they want to go on the, the, they said the easiest roller coaster. And the easiest roller coaster is called Ghost Rider, apparently. <laughs> it's not. 
It's not. It looks like it was built by Phineas and Ferb. It was like, it's, it's like made of wood. It rocks. It rolls. You feel like you're, you're going to die on it. It's called Ghost Rider for a reason. You're going to become a ghost if you write it. So they decide, like, Joe, we got to do this. You got to conquer your fears. And I'm like, with a bunch of high schoolers. Like, I'm like, I got, I got my youth coaches with me. You know, I'm like, I'm like I, can't, I can't chicken out now. Like, so we're in line. It's one of those hour and a half lines. And so the whole time, my arms are just crossed. And I'm like, okay. Everybody's playing heads up. And I'm like, I'm over this. I'm over this. I want to go home. I hate this. So my mentor with me is, is, with, is with me at the time. He's like, Joe, don't worry. I got you, man. We're going to go in the back of the roller coaster. <laughs> because in the back of the roller coaster, you're going to feel it the least. Uh, he's a liar. And uh, so we get it on the roller coaster. And finally, I'm like, okay. All the high schoolers are looking back. You know, their phones are out. Like, hey. I'm sitting in the back. I'm like, I'm, I'm cool. I can do this. I'm holding onto the bar, gripping it for, for dear life. And I finally start to ease up a little bit. He's like, it's all right if you scream. It's all right if you yell. I'm like, okay. So we start taking off, right? And I'm like, okay. Okay. So we get to the, we get to the kind of the first little drop. It kind of slows down. I'm like, I can do this. My mentor taps me on the shoulder and he says, oh my God, we're going to die. The tracks are down. I don't know what happened in me in that moment, but everything inside me just froze up and I just screamed at a decibel that I have never screamed before. I screamed so loud and so long, I was slumped. Literally, it was like, ah. I'm not, I'm not even kidding, right? You know those photos that they take? It was just me out, like. And the worst part is, I woke up halfway through. I'm like, ah, again, again, I kid you not. Isn't it, isn't it wild when you think about the fears in, in your life, in my life, that, that fears don't play well with facts, do they? Like, I, I saw like 100,000 people go on that roller coaster, and they're like, it's a million and one chance something is going to happen. Well, guess who's going to be that one? It's going to be me when I'm afraid, Right? I could know that monkey bites are down, and guess what? When I see a monkey, I'm going to be like, hands distance, like, arms distance, boy. Like, do not, I don't want no monkeys crawling on me right now. Because fear and facts, they don't play well with each other. See, the, th- the thing about fear is that it is a deceiver. It is a, it's a liar. See, sometimes fear is good for us, right? Some of y'all, you, you, if you like roller coasters, if you like shark diving, if you like uh, jumping out of airplanes, you need a little bit more fear in your life, right? Because uh, fear tells us, what if? And helps us answer the question, what if? What if something goes wrong? What if something goes right? Maybe I should try doing this. Maybe I shouldn't do this because uh, if I step into this, it, it could be really bad for my health. It could be bad for my future. It could be bad for, for my living situation right now. But isn't it true also that there's fears that are bigger than the surface? There's fears that are more internal, that I would even say have more control than just monkeys or roller coasters or spiders or airplanes. I would, I would say these are called internal fears. And these internal fears, they play with our understanding of the future. If you are a fearful person, you are a person that is in the job of creating the future because you have already decided what was going to happen before it happened. Fear is a reality. But also fear is a projection. 
And what I know is that it's not just monkeys and roller coasters that scare me. It's also rejection and failure. I'm, I, I'm, I'm afraid of, of being let down by people I love. I'm afraid of stepping into something and then not being good enough. See, the thing that, uh, about being afraid of failure is that you never actually win. You just don't lose. So, so what are you afraid of? Is it criticism? Shame? Offense? Death? Change? Are, are, are you afraid of people? Are you, are you afraid of the future? Are you afraid of guilt? What, what, what is it that's steering the levers of your life? Because isn't that what fear does? See, fear is anything that causes an emotional response. It keeps us emotionally captive and stuck. It keeps us physically frozen and unaware of what's going on around us. We can't think straight when we're afraid. And maybe you don't always call it fear. Maybe you call it panic or worry or anxiety or stress. Any of those terms describe what we're talking about today. Anything that puts you in a fight or flight mode that tells you either I got to square up right now I got to stand my ground. I got to let adrenaline pump. I need to be at my sharpest or anything that says, I got to get out of here. I got to hide. I got to get away. I got to step away. I got to get away from these people, these circumstances, these ideas. I got to get away because I'm not sure it's going to compute with everything that's going on in my life. Fear is a reality for everyone. And I don't think we talk about fear enough because it is a scary place to be in because it it acknowledges that we don't all have it together that there's some things about us that maybe are deficient some things about us that we actually need help with I think a lot of us like to think myself included I don't have any fear but you've just heard me label multiple fears so the question then becomes what do we do with those fears. You see, this is why I, I, I love the story of Moses. It's because when we're asking the question, should we be fighting or should we be flighting, the story of Moses gives us a different understanding of what fighting fear looks like. When we talk about the story of Moses today, we are, we are entering into a story of a, of a man whose life work can be described as uh, someone who led fearful people. And is a man who led fearful people and is considered the greatest of all times. That's not my words. That is the words of the Israelite people who he led. Moses is considered the greatest prophet of all time. And as he's considered these, I want to consider these, I want to consider the words that he says. Because if he is the greatest of all times and he had to lead fearful people, maybe he had some words to share with us fearful people. As we consider, are there things in our life that we're running from that we ought to be fighting? So I want to go to Moses' last words. And these aren't Moses' last words uh, because the book was ending. These are Moses' last words because he is coming to the end of his life. And as somebody who has endured, who has been present, who has done a job for a long time and has not stepped out of it, there is some clout that comes with it. 
Endurance is an underrated principle, and Moses was a man of endurance, and he kept going to the very end. If you don't know who Moses is, that is totally fine. You are in good company today. If you have ever watched uh, maybe the Prince of Egypt, the cartoon, that's the Moses we're talking about. Many people have watched the Prince of Egypt cartoon who have not grown up in faith, me included, and for some reason, that's the only reason I know Moses. But today, we're talking about Moses, the guy who led an entire people group out of captivity into their freedom. We're talking about the guy who got the Ten Commandments from God, and the Ten Commandments have been a part of ethical discourse for the Western world for the thousands of years. We're talking about a guy who led people who did not want to be led, but he still led them into their promised land. See, Moses was given a preview, a little trailer, of what freedom is going to look like for these people. And he said, all right, you guys have been living in captivity for 400 years. Now it's time to go out, and I'm going to lead you through your fear. I'm going to lead you through your doubts. I'm going to lead you through your anxiety, and I'm going to lead you to a better tomorrow. This is the Moses we're talking about today. And these are the words we're going to hear from, this last word. Some guy who has it together, some guy who understood fear. And this is his words to the Israelite people. He gathers them all together. And so I want you to come with me as we hear his last words. And maybe us too can be like the Israelite people who were fearful, who were nervous, who were scared, who were worried, who were stressed about tomorrow and today. And maybe us too can reap some of the benefits of the words of Moses, the last words of Moses. Moses in Deuteronomy 30 Chapter 30, verse 15 to 16 says this See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, and to keep His commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. He continues down. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessings and curses. Now choose life. So that you and your children may live. Choose life. So you and your children may live. The Israelite people were about to cross into their promised land. They're about to cross the Jordan River. The Jordan River was a symbolic and physical representation to the Israelite people that God was calling them into a new story. And here Moses is. He is not going to cross with him because he's coming to the end of his life and because of a lot of hairy circumstances that happened earlier in his life. He's not crossing. So he's getting these people together and he's saying, be strong and courageous. There's people in this land. It's going to be scary. It's going to be frightening. You are going to have no clue what to do. But choose life. I need you to choose life. Don't give in to fear. Don't give in to death and destruction. Don't give in to those curses. I need you to choose life. And he continues into the next chapter. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, these are the words of Moses, and I, and I know that many of us, when we hear words like, do not be afraid, do not be terrified, we hear words like, be strong and courageous, it feels almost like a rallying call. You're like, I can, I can do it. But can I? Can I? 
Is that really confronting fear by acting like it doesn't exist? No, Moses isn't coming and saying these words as a first-day employee. You know those first-day employees that show up with all the life in the world, and you're like, dude, you're about to learn today. Like, things are going to change. He's not showing up as a first-day employee. No, he is showing up, and he is saying these words from a place of deep awareness of what it takes to lead people. And not just lead people because he was so courageous and because it came so easy for him. Because actually when I look at the life of Moses, what I see is that Moses had to lead fearful people, but he also was a fearful man. He was a fearful man. Moses was so fearful when then God came to him for the very first time and said, Moses, I choose you. He said, no way, not me. Moses was so fearful that when he made a decision that was good, he ran from it because he was afraid of the consequences. You ever been there before? You made a good decision, but you run from it because you're not sure how people are going to react or respond to your good decision? That was Moses. Moses was so afraid that oftentimes he told God, I am not ready, I cannot speak, I am not good enough, do not send me. Moses was so afraid that he said, these people, they hardly know me. They actually don't know me at all. I've been raised in privilege as an Egyptian prince, and yet I'm supposed to go and free these people? How does that make any sense? Over and over, Moses' fear would get to him and would tell him that he's not good enough. He was a fearful man who had to lead fearful people. But you know what Moses' story reminds me? Is that fear does not disqualify me. My fear does not disqualify me from the good thing that God wants to do in me. My fear does not stop the train that God has me on. And as followers of Jesus, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not today, I think there's this belief around faith that if I have any ounce of fear, worry, anxiety, panic, I am being less than faithful. Maybe you've heard it said, have faith over fear, which has great intentions, But I don't think it's about out-faithing my fear. I think the reality is, is that faith and fear actually work together really well. That fear, I would even say, is a qualifier for faith. Because fear reminds me that I am desperate in need of something outside of me. Fear reminds me that a better story is possible. Fear reminds me that I'm going to need God to step into these places because I need help. And I'm stuck, and I'm struggling, and sometimes life isn't lifing, and I don't know what to do. Fear has its role in the economy of God. But the thing is, fear may not disqualify us, but the thing we have to know is that fear will establish the boundaries of our freedom. Fear doesn't disqualify us, but it does establish the boundaries of our freedom. You're afraid of heights, you're always going to stay low. You're afraid of people, you're always going to stay away. You're afraid of the outdoors, you're always going to stay in. You're afraid of guilt, you're always going to be running. Fear establishes the boundaries of our freedom. And if fear establishes the boundary of our freedom, your capacity to embrace fear will determine your capacity to take hold of your future. What I know to be true is that every single person on this planet wants to live free, unrestrained, 
untethered. Yet, if we live in a constant state of unacknowledgement of the thing that often keeps us awake, that keeps us shackled in our own mind, if we live in a state of unacknowledgement, of not considering the things that are pulling our levers, I think we're going to miss out on the freedom that God has for us. And so if there's anything for us today, it's, it's a reminder that we have a responsibility to be aware of those fears. But what do we do with them? Just be strong and courageous? You ever tell somebody just to calm down? Does it work? No. You ever tell somebody, like, don't be afraid? No, because fear and facts, they don't work well together. So what do we actually do with the fear that's in our heart and our mind and our soul that is keeping us captive? I want to take you back to one of the most iconic moments of Moses' life. It's the reason many of us know who Moses is. This is the Red Sea crossing. It is the liberation of the Israelite people. It is when Moses went to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And the Pharaoh said no. Over and over. Until God sent plagues. And then he said no. Then God sent more plagues. And he said no. Then he sent more plagues. And then finally, after many plagues, he said, all right, you, you might have, God may be doing something here. And so Pharaoh let the people go. And, and Moses, who hardly knew this people, is the liberator of these men and women and children who have only known slavery for generations on generations. And he is leading them out of Egypt to do something they've never done, to go somewhere they've never been, and they're led by someone they hardly know. This is the moment I want to take you to right now in Exodus chapter 14. So if you want to join me there, Exodus chapter 14, verse 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, What have we done? We have let the Israelites go and we have lost their services. They're thinking economically about this stuff. Because the Israelite people were their primary labor force. Anything that was done and built and grand that the Pharaoh had to point back to was because of the Israelite labor force. And he just let his labor force go. He's terrified because of this. He is so terrified. We're going to see in just a moment. He prepares some of the best chariots. 600 of them, of the best warriors, best chariots, best men to go and get the fleeing Israelite people. I think the first part of fighting the fear in our life is to know what we're actually fighting. In order to fight fear, you got to know what you're actually fighting. And that sounds absolutely ridiculous. I know, you know what? But it's actually not that ridiculous. It's not that ridiculous because I've seen so many, we're just going to go there, right? I've seen so many couples uh, fight each other rather than the thing that they actually should be fighting. I've seen so many people fight things that they shouldn't be fighting because they're afraid, because fear creates projections. And you start fighting the things you shouldn't be fighting. And here, here, Moses, here, here the uh, Pharaoh is, he knows what he's fighting. He, he's fighting his fear. He's losing their service. Do you know what you're fighting? Do you even know what you're afraid of? Have you just created this impenetrable fortress around you where you're not afraid of anything? Where you just have it all together? 
Maybe you haven't allowed yourself to be afraid because you are the one that needs to hold it all together. So the thought of fear, panic, anxiety, worry, you're like, I I don't have time for those because I haven't even had time to think about myself. You see, understanding your fear is going to be the greatest gift to the people around you. Self-awareness is a gift. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to your wife, your husband. It's a gift to your kids. It's a gift to your boss, your employees, your coworkers. The thing that we tell our summer staffers all the time, we've got a summer staff program going on right now, that leadership is self-awareness. And the more aware you are of yourself, of your unique giftings, not just the bad things, but your unique giftings, the more you're aware of your unique deficiencies, because we all got deficiencies, the better you're going to be at at helping and loving and leading others. Your awareness is a gift to the people around you. Are you aware of what you are afraid of? I, I want to help you if you're unaware. Because it, and there's no, no, no shame if you're unaware at all. Don't, don't worry. If you're, you're afraid of shame and right now you're like, I'm fine, I'm good. No, like, let's talk about it. It's fine. We're going to go there. We're going to go to that vulnerable place because I want you to be free and God wants you to be free. First question, what keeps you up at night? Second question, where's your mind at? You know in those moments when you want to be here, but you're there? Yeah. Where's there? And the third question, write this down because this is going to be painful. You got to do this one with a friend. Why? Why is your mind there? Are you afraid of loss, afraid of losing your job, afraid of losing status, afraid of losing the circumstances you're in, afraid of shame? Are, are you up at night because you're worried about the bills, because you don't want to be a failure of a mother or a father? Are you up at night because you're worried about your relationship, because you haven't been fully present or they haven't been fully present and you haven't had the guts to actually talk about it with each other because you're too busy fighting and you're living in other rooms right now? Where's your mind at? What's keeping you up? And why? See, this is a process you got to do with friends and family because this is not something that you're meant to do alone. I don't want to just shake up a snow globe and drop it right now. I want you to really consider what are the things that you're actually fighting and maybe it's not the thing you have already been fighting. Let's jump back into the text because we get some good directive on what to do with that now. Exodus 14, 6-7. So he had his chariots made ready and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. He is desperate to get his people back. He is desperate to get what he thinks is his. But God has already said, those aren't yours, Pharaoh. Those are mine. And he sent them out of Egypt. Continuing verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of the Pharaoh king of Egypt. So he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. Can you imagine day one, women and children, very little on their back, marching into a hot sun, not knowing if they'll ever be back, leaving everything they've ever known, a mom with a baby under one arm and a two-year-old in the other hand, having to leave everything. And the kids are going, where we're going, where are we going, where are we going? And the mom said, I don't know, but I know God's leading us out of here. And they march out boldly. 600,000 Israelites leave Egypt that day. And they're singing. And they're cheering. And they're chanting. Because for 400 years, no 
ancestor of them could imagine this sort of freedom that they are already experiencing. But as the Pharaoh changes his mind, he gathers some of the best forces he has in the world. The best known forces in the entire known world at that time. The chariots, the weapons, the ropes. He gathers them all and he mounts up. And after a full day of walking, the Israelite people decide to camp near the Red Sea. As they camp near the Red Sea, they have the Red Sea behind them. And I imagine that first night being a night of celebration. We did it. We left. We left our masters. We did our thing. God's actually in this. The God who hasn't spoken for 400 years is finally speaking. And we're free. And in the distance, they begin to see a dust cloud. And that dust cloud gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And as the dust cloud gets bigger, they begin to hear the rumbling of chariot wheels. And as the chariot wheels get closer, they begin to hear the war cries. The war cries they remember from being back in Egypt. Then they begin to see the Egyptian people coming after them. Can you imagine their heart in this moment of freedom? Beginning to see. Talk about seeing freedom just crumble before your eyes. This is where they were at in this moment. They said to well, as for, Exodus chapter 14, verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there was the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. These, these, these Israelites who were just so bold a moment ago, singing, praising, thanking God, are now terrified for they see their freedoms coming to an end. So what did they decide to do? They said, Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us out, to the, out here to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out here? What have you done to us, Moses, by bringing us out here? Were there not enough graves? We told you to leave us alone, Moses. We told you to stop talking to us, Moses. We told you to leave us alone and let us just serve the Egyptians, Moses. But here we are today. We thought we were free, but we're not. And Moses, you're to blame. And now I imagine captivity is going to be worse than it was. You ever been here before? Feeling like freedom is coming? Freedom from your fears is coming? Freedom for your future is coming, yet you're halted? Stopped? Paralyzed? Unsure of what to do next? You, you, you ever been there? You ever been there where you're just so mad you start yelling at everybody? They're yelling at Moses, this man who tried to free them. They're going off on him because they're not sure why he continued, why he kept pushing, why he kept them going forward. Have you ever been there in that moment where you're at the Red Sea and you feel like everything says green light, but you stopped and you can't go any further? See, the Israelites in this moment, they looked up and they saw what God, or what, what, the Pharaoh, what Pharaoh doing as he was pursuing them. And as he was looking back, they lost their ability to look forward to what God was trying to do through freeing them. You see, we got to know what we're fighting, and then we got to remember why we're fighting. We got to remember why we're fighting, because in difficult moments, when freedom is on the horizon, things will get difficult. 
I think as followers of Jesus, sometimes we think things are always going to be perfect. And things are always going to line up for us. But no, there is an imperfect road to freedom. And these Israelite people are so frustrated because they cannot see the future. They can only see what's behind them. When life gets tough, ain't it true that we want to go back to the thing we know, the thing that we've done, the thing that we've experienced already? And it's because the predictability of captivity is so much easier than the uncertainty that comes with a fight for freedom. Let me tell you, church, I've seen so many people on the road to recovery, so many people who are on the road to healing for their marriage. When one thing happens, it changes the entire game. And they want to go back, back to the way things were. But the reality is you can't go back when you're trying to do a good thing or experience a good life or experience the freedom that God has for your life or to fight through that fear. No, we have an ability to romanticize the things that aren't necessarily the best for us when things get rough. And we do that because the future is unknown. It's unknown. We don't know what's next when we're trying to fight for freedom. You know why? Because we've never been there before. These people had never been there before. And so they were going there, but they were stopped. And so what do they do in that moment? You've got to remember why, or you're going to want to go back. Let me tell you, Egypt is not that pretty. Yet many people have made Egypt much prettier than it is. They just said, let me serve the Pharaoh. Let me go back. That's what I wanted to do. Why did you bother us? I didn't want freedom in the first place. I wanted to live there. No, you didn't. You want freedom. You want freedom. And so as this conversation is going on, as this fight is happening, I just think to myself, man, if I was Moses, what would I really be doing at this time? I'm so petty. Like, let me tell you, if I'm trying to give you a good thing and you're fighting with me, like, fine, you do it yourself, right? That's that's just me. I'm I'm not perfect, right? But Moses, what does he do in this moment? He responds to the people with so much love. Moses answered to the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord that he will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Moses, in this moment of terror, becomes courage for the people who have no courage. As you're on your, road to, uh, on your road to freedom, as you are fighting the fears in your life, let me tell you, you're going to need to get yourself a Moses who reminds you of the things that God is trying to do in your life, not the things that you want God to do in your life, but the things that God is actually trying to do in your life. This is why community is so important to what we do here at Active Church. But I think there's a big thing around courage that we have to talk about. Because often when we hear about courage and people telling us to be courageous, there's this mythos. Like there's courageous people and then there's not courageous people, right? Like there's people who just, they, they, you look at them, you're like, how do you have so much courage? Like how do you ride that roller coaster like that? I don't know. And then there's the rest of us. I have friends in my life who are so courageous. But what I have found by spending time with them is that they're just like me. They've just chosen to do something different with their fear. Like, like, get this. When you feel afraid, what do you feel? Fear. When you feel courage, what do you feel? Fear. Our response to the fear in our life is going to be indicative of the future that we take hold of. And it's not always going to be easy. And that is why you need somebody with you on this journey as you figure it out. 
as you navigate that fear, as you take that step, as you go forward. So Moses says, be still. God is going to fight for you. The God that brought us this far is going to keep taking us forward. Don't worry. I know the Egyptians are coming. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then he goes to God, and I love, as we close, what he says, what God says so beautifully and so simply here. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Move on. Why are you crying right now? I brought you this far. I have more for you. Do you think I'm done yet? Do you think the story ends here at the edge of the Red Sea? The Red Sea behind them, the Egyptians in front of them. Do you think that is it to the story? He says, move on. And the Israelites do. Moses raises his staff and he takes a step. And as they t he takes a step, I imagine that first step being so scary, so full of the unknown, so unsure of what's going to happen. The waters of the Red Sea begin to part. And as the waters part, the people, the Israelite people begin to walk through. And as they walk through, what they see is that God cares for them. God sees them. The God who brought them this far is going to be the God who sustains them as they move forward. Move on. And maybe that's the words to us. For many of us who have been battling fear, addiction, lies, the past, shame, guilt. Maybe that's, that's, that's God's word to us right now. It's time to move on. Not, not get over. Hear me. Because there's many things that, that we have to wrestle through. But, but move on. Like, move on because there's more. Move on because there's a better life if we keep walking. Move on because the story doesn't end at the Red Sea. The story keeps going through towards the Jordan River. Move on because Egypt wasn't that pretty. But isn't it true that moving forward is the hardest part? Because we're like, I, I don't know if I can move. What if God doesn't move? This story reminds us that God is more committed to our freedom than we are. And if God is committed to our freedom, he is always going to make a way into our future. And if he is in the future creating us for freedom, then we ought to continue taking steps in that direction. And until we do, we will always miss the story that God has for us. So maybe there's a piece of your life that you just need to consider. Is it time for me to keep walking, keep going, keep moving? Move on, because that's where the story of God continues as you move on into your future. And so church, if there's guilt you're wrestling through, it's time to move forward. When Egypt calls and said, hey, come back, let's try it one more time. It's time to move forward because you know God has more for you. When things are getting stressful and you just want to go back to the previous job, it's time to move forward because you know that there's more for you. You have more gifting and more talent than you know. When the opportunity isn't coming through like you thought it was going to come through, it's time to move on because there's still more to create and more for you to do. Just because you get a red light doesn't mean that God doesn't say green light. Let's keep going. There's more for you in the future.
What, what I'm so fascinated by is that so many people need permission to start something, but nobody needs permission to quit anything. And today, I, I just think it'd be good if we just consider today a permission-setting day. It's a day where you give yourself permission because God has given you permission to move on. And so today, I just want these words to wash over you for anybody who needs to hear it. You have permission to move out of bitterness because God has a better freedom for you and a better future for you. You have permission to let go of that guilt that's been racking your brain. Doesn't mean everything's perfect, but you have permission to step into that better future. You have permission to take that opportunity that you've been wanting to do, that you've been craving to do, that your heart has been just so set on, that you stay up thinking and dreaming about, but you're nervous because you're not sure if you're gonna be able to do it. You have permission to move forward, move on. You have permission to follow God again because maybe you never thought it was for you because you just weren't born into it, but your heart has craved something for so long. You have permission to move on for whatever it is. See, the God who parted the Red Sea is the same God who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. It's the same God who rose Jesus from the dead. It's the same God that says, I live in you. It's the same God that says, I have a future for you. Just keep moving and watch me work wonders. Fear may have a piece of our life, but it does not have our future when we walk through it not around it. So church, today, it is time for us to move on. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you so much for the gift of belief that you have instilled and given all of us. God, you have seen us at our worst and most vulnerable, but you've also cared for us and carried us through the moments that we weren't even aware you were with us. God, may you remind us of that in this moment as some of us are at the Red Sea right now, unsure of if it's possible for you to keep moving in our life, if it's possible for us to keep moving forward. God, we wanna confront those fears because we know on the other side of those fears is a version of ourselves that is fully dependent and trusts on you. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for seeing us. And God, thank you for giving us the freedom, the freedom, God, to live in love in your grace. And we all lift up in your son's holy name. And all God's people said, Amen.